Welcome to the next episode of the B2B Startup Sales Podcast. Today, episode number 10 with Daniel Jordi, a guy who probably knows a lot more than most of us about hiring great salespeople. So that's going to be the topic today. If you don't know what to look in for with sales and how a question to ask at a um, higher with your hiring process and your hire pro hiring process, um, tune in. I think you can learn some valuable stuff from from Daniel. Um, I hope it is valuable for you. Um, give us feedback to it, and I hope you enjoy. So, welcome to another episode of the B two B Startup Sales Podcast. Uh, thanks, Patrick, to join us as a co-host today as well, and thanks to you, Daniel, uh, for joining us. Uh, I find it very remarkable uh, what you build up with Leadersbridge and we've known each other for some years even uh, right now, but why don't you tell us a bit about yourself uh, and your background and what sales means to you? Sure. Thanks for having me, Manuel, and thanks for being here, Patrick. Yeah, so um, let's start. Uh, I've always been an entrepreneur in a sense, um, maybe not in the traditional sense, um, but to me, entrepreneurship is kind of a lifestyle <laughs> in, in sense of how I look at the, you know, how I look at walking through life. Um, I had, I started uh, businesses very early on, like when I was um, 16 or 17 years old, I had an online shop and then I had a, a little consulting firm that I started on search search engine optimization. I think one of the first ones in Switzerland, actually, <laughs> super <laughs> early on. Um, and it just kept uh, yeah popping up entrepreneurship throughout my career. I, I joined uh, um, uh, different companies along the way. I spent about nine years in technology recruitment early on in my career. And then over the past seven years, I had my own company with different brands, but uh, it's always been basically consulting and coaching, um, management consulting, um, coaching on a, on, a, on, a, on a career basis, um, but also on a business basis. And then super recently now, I just uh, joined a company called Ginetta. I'm super excited to be here now and uh, develop the business as well. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Now, in terms of sales, um, we had some really interesting conversations here over the past couple of weeks. And um, one of the biggest um, interests for me in sales um, is, 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 is basically um, the human factor. Um, because, uh, you know, the process of offering and pitching and pricing, you know, that's all interesting, I guess, but it's not really what, something that fascinates me in a sense. What fascinates me more is the psychology behind it um, and, and, and why people do what they do. Why do people say yes to something and why do they say no to something? And, um, and also the, the topic of perception versus reality or, you know, looking at perception and reality, are they the same? Are they different? Um, these are the kind of like topics in sales that really, really fascinate me. Nice. And when you say uh, you've spent basically the first nine years in sales and entrepreneurship in recruitment, I find it sometimes interesting. People don't think of recruitment and sales very similar, very differently. But in the end, it's kind of a funnel or a flywheel where you try to 
basically attract people to find out if, if you can provide value to them and then you have a human conversation and ideally then you do business if it's beneficial for both sides. How did you experience sales in tech recruitment and how does that compare to what you do right now with Chinetta? Um, I mean, in tech recruitment, let's see. I mean, sales in recruitment is basically, you know, all you do is sales basically. <laughs> on both um, you know, for an agency, right? I mean, on both sides, you do sales. Sales is what you sell, actually. You know, you basically sell them your ability to sell yourself and their company to a candidate. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, I mean, everything is like the core of it is sales, basically. You sell yourself, you basically sell your capabilities. Yes, the company that you work for also matters, uh, but not that much, actually, in recruitment. It's more about the personal aspect, do people trust you? Um, and I know what I've experienced also, it's recruitment is very commoditized in many areas. Um, so it can be quite tricky um, sometimes if you're not able to position yourself the right way, lift yourself basically even you know outside of your competition, not, not at the same level or higher than the competition, but basically really beyond your competition and carve out something different or new. It's very difficult to, to, to stand out um, because everybody talks about the same stuff again and again and again and again. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that's sort of like a recruitment a little bit, but it's an interesting field also because, you know, the war for talent continues. <laughs> it's, been, it's been here for a long time, 15 years ago when I started recruitment and recruitment it hasn't been much different you know, like today. It's, it hasn't been much easier or more difficult than it is today, finding the right tech talent. The roles have changed very much, you know, what, is, what, what, what companies are looking for. But at the essence, it's, uh, it's, it's very similar in terms of difficulty. Um, right now, I'm, I'm in the business of, uh, you know, um, well, in the project business, basically, you know, uh, focusing on, on user experience, focusing on business design, um, which is a really, really interesting field to me because, um, once again, from a positioning standpoint as well, um, I, I have a sense, but this is across the board from software development to management consulting to whatever, a lot of companies are selling the process. You know, a lot of, a lot of companies are trying to sell the process and become unique in the process and become unique in, or, or try to become unique and lift themselves up and terms of uh, you know quality and 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 um, you know the, maybe the kind of people that they have but what's fascinating to me is like um, where the real differentiator is is not necessarily pro the pro don't get me wrong the process is incredibly important um, and without a unique process it's very difficult to, to to stand out but at the same time I also believe that the focus on the actual business impact is incredibly important because if you can talk with the clients about the impact, mm -hmm. um, you know that, that, that let's take let's take user experience right as an example. I mean, if 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 all we talk about is the, the project and the details, I mean that's that's okay, but it's very difficult to stand out then. But if you talk with the client about what's the impact of the business going to be, how is it how is great UX going to change, you know the the conversion rate, how is it going to change? Uh, the engagement level how is it going to change loyalty how is it going to change upgrades whatever you know all these kinds of things that's interesting you know that's fascinating to me because 
that can make a huge difference. And yeah. then also when you come from, you know, a, a position of how do you price yourself, that can make a huge difference there. Because if you're selling the work, the process basically, or like the, you know, the hours, and that's pretty much it, it's very difficult to level up to a, to a higher level. Yeah. Um, but if you if you focus on outcomes and the value actually that that the work generates, that's a very different conversation. So, yeah, it's 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 a very fascinating um, area to be in. Actually, you also Daniel, you also mentioned psychology um, at the beginning that you're fascinated by the use or by psychology. Um, my question is, as a salesperson, besides learning to be empathetic and to be curious and and whatnot, like in terms of psychology, what could I, what do I need to, what skills or what psychology would I need to learn about to, to, to become better at sales? What would you recommend? Um, it's very difficult to say, but, and it's probably not, not necessarily psychology, what I, what I, what I, what I say now, but one of the most fundamental things that I have always found that I always find in amazing salespeople is one thing, which is caring. If, if you know, and I hired people before for my teams, and if there's one criteria that I would be looking for, it's mm -hmm. how much does that person care? Yeah. How much do they care about the work that they do, about the clients, about being the best, about changing customer into some into somebody into something or somebody better? How much do they care about? You know, yeah, at the essence, how much do they care um, about whatever it is, basically? And and that's fascinating to me because if some if you if you have somebody that truly cares, and I guess this is partly a trait, a personality trait, um, but I think it's also something that we we human beings naturally do. We we, we don't care for everything. We only care about things that are important to us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think caring is naturally ingrained in us. And sometimes it can get hidden under all the layers of, you know, stuff, um, you know, focus on the urgent, you know, and whatever is on the table. And it's really easy to then forget, you know, to really care about what you actually naturally care about. Um, but I believe care is the most important one. I don't know how much you can learn to care. I think it's something that is ingrained in all of us as human beings, but mm -hmm. I think it's less about learning to care. And I think it's more about uncovering um, the caring. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. 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 So, so true in my experience as well for good and bad, especially with salespeople. And I think the first episode here, for example, we, we did with Lars Mangelstorff was one of top sales reps, if not, the one for a beekeeper and now co-founder of Expense Robot. Uh, and what he meant, I asked him like, are you, Lars, are you a morning or an evening person? Well, I'm a, I go, I'm a, I'm gonna be there when the client needs me person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm more of an evening person, but if the client needs me at 7 a.m., mm -hmm. I'm gonna be there. Like if, if there's commitment from both sides, I think he and like a few other individuals like Patrick and I, I know well, have this caring aspect and are not primarily money driven. One thing we, however, encounter as well quite a few times is that there's this misunderstanding that salespeople care a lot about money, not only in terms of money, but in terms of outcome, 
and founders or employers care a lot about input and so like this person should fill the CRM and this person should be there at 8 a.m. and this person should join like the weekly stand-ups. How do you approach salespeople from a recruiting perspective to attract them? Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you know, when you say about, you know, entering stuff into the CRM, it's very not most salespeople's favorite tasks. <laughs> but 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 at the same time, um, I I would look I would look through the task of entering stuff into a CRM, not through the lens of the activity, but through the lens of the purpose, because of the purpose of me entering stuff into a CRM is so that my, my boss can check if I'm doing my work. Well, of course, nobody likes doing it. But if the purpose of entering stuff into a CRM is to make sure that when my when my teammate is working on a on a, on a, on another project within the same company that he or she can check what i've already done with somebody that makes a lot of sense and of course yeah. you know i'm happy to enter stuff so i think the activity naked as the activity is not necessarily the right conversation it's more about what's the actual purpose why why are we doing something like that um but then again to me, it's it's about caring. You know, if I if I if I'm purely an individual contributor, or if I only think about myself and nobody else, um, then of course it doesn't make any sense to put stuff into a CRM system. Why? You know, I I can remember most stuff, so I, what's the point? I don't I don't see the point. But if I'm more of a team player and I understand, you know, I'm only one puzzle piece and probably not the majority puzzle piece in you know the projects or the company or whatever um then it makes a lot of sense to you know put stuff into a crm for example yeah so once again to me it goes back to the to the caring piece um just on the crm example because i yeah. think it's a, it's a relevant one <laughs> yeah exactly and one, one thing like maybe if i may have put a follow-up question and over to you patrick mm -hmm. uh is that you also mentioned i think like guiding principle number eight on your linkedin profile which I, which i love that you really put out your values very transparency is like i measure and reward performance in results and salespeople are very results driven the thing however is with culture as well and with vision and values what we talked about before doing this what do you do with the top performing sales rep if he's an asshole to the software engineers you'd spend so much time recruiting for example and so one a software engineer actually threatens to leave the numbers are great, but it doesn't fit well with software engineers or he sells stuff, mm. he sells stuff that doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, um, that's a very hardcore example. Um, but, you know, in, in general, I would, I would take, I mean, first thing I would take a step back and try to understand what's actually happening. And once again, me as a, as a, as a, as a, as a geek when it comes to understanding why people do what they do what they do i would first try to understand why is that person acting like that is it just because that's their natural behavior and then i would actually really doubt my um capabilities of hiring <laughs> first and foremost <laughs> because you know it's if i hire that person it's my mistake um you know i i you know i made a i made a bad i made a bad decision then um and and you know if it's really that black and white, uh, I would probably you know most. I mean it kind of really depends, but uh, it's probably not a good fit. You know I mean uh, performance is more than just how much you bill, because performance because if the only thing we look for is how much you bill, 
that's you as an individual. Sure, it has an impact on the company, but it's you as an individual having an impact on the company. But if you if if that's the only thing that you measure in terms of who are your top performers, um, you, you don't have a team, you don't have an organization, you have a bunch of individuals that happen to work together under the same umbrella of, of, of a legal entity. That's pretty much what you have. But yeah. the performance is a lot more about the organization's performance. And, and what, if you start there, if you look at how does the organization perform, and then you break it down into how do the individuals perform, but not only individually, but also together. Because actually what can happen, it's not always the case, but what can happen is the top performer can actually be a loss generator. Because if you know the actual direct generated revenue from that person um, is great, but you know they push away you know, developers or designers that leave. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that costs a <laughs> lot of money. Recruiting is incredibly expensive. You know, getting people on board is incredibly expensive. <laughs> losing, losing knowledge is incredibly expensive. So it's not just about revenues. It's a lot more complex than that. Um, so yeah, that, that's my take on this. Very interesting, yeah. Um... To recruiting, uh, when it comes to hiring salespeople who care, I mean, I, I could imagine you, Daniel, you have a, such a vast experience, you probably have a good gut feeling about it, whether somebody is caring, but do you have any tactics or questions that you ask or tests that you do to get people or to, to learn about whether they are caring or not? Um, I mean, honestly, I think the process of you, you can actually put the process of recruitment in the center and see how people how much people care about that. Um, what I mean, like, for example, here uh, we have we have a in really interesting recruitment process. It's super simple at Geneta. Um, there's basically like a um, like a like an assignment and then there's an assessment day or whatever it's called, um, like a, basically getting to know each other um, and and yeah, and, and having a couple of, um, you know, uh, more in-depth conversations with different people. And throughout the process, you can pretty much sense if somebody truly cares. You know, you can, you can see how much, how much effort they put into it, you know, and, and just like, yeah, I think that's, that's the best measurement. I don't think it's about asking tricky questions. <laughs> I think it's really more about observing how people behave throughout the process. Because at the end of the day, it's a behavior. It's not an answer that you know you get from them and you have a tick box go that goes, oh, they care. It's more actually observing how they behave throughout the process from the very beginning. And and it's never gonna be perfect because you know you don't know. I mean, you know, recruiting is fundamentally difficult because you have so little time to get to know each other. And you're not even working together in order to find out how it is to work together. You're actually talking to, to each other in order to try to find out how it is to work together. That's really difficult. <laughs> but uh, I think you can do a lot by observing. Um, and, and you can sort of like try to blend talking to each other and working together. There's, there's ways to blend that together. But of course, you have a very limited amount of time for that. Hmm. Yeah, true. And one thing. I, I, that's actually like a software engineering found, founder basically told me like, Manuel, 
I'm getting frustrated with sales because, especially sales recruiting, because in technology, like you, you try to tell a computer what to do and it spits out a lot of error messaging and you do debugging until 2 a.m. and once it compiles, it compiles. If you have a software engineer for recruiting assessment, you give them a task, say like fix this, do this nice UX design, it compiles, it doesn't, it works, it doesn't, I can see if, it, if the guy knows his shit, quite frankly. With a salesperson, Recruiting is much more difficult because the person is basically a trained killer on making a nice impression and being a professional presenting himself or herself as well. So how do you basically make sure the person is not within a limited time and resource and focus and energy you can spend on it is not playing a great role, but the substance is not there and the culture. Yeah, yeah. you almost can't, I would say. All you can do is look for authenticity and listen to your gut feeling. And this is everything but rational and everything but linear. But that's 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 the way we humans are. Like if there's if there's any human in the mix, we can't do rational stuff or rely on rationalities and, and logic alone. Because we're we're very much emotional human beings and we're we're you know, yeah, we're basically, you know, we're 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 not we're not you know, made of data or made of flesh, you know, so we're pretty human, right? So I would say all you can do is once again, observe, and maybe not all you can do, but one thing you can do is, is observe once again, the behavior that shows up and have a sense or, or open eyes and open ears for authenticity. Is this, does it see, does it feel honest? Like, does it feel truthful? What the person is saying and how they behave and how they go about things and then question everything like you know take take the person apart in the i mean not in a bad way but question everything and say you know you said this and here's that how does that compare what do you mean by this you know talk you know tell me more about that because you know if somebody's inauthentic the more they have to go to a granular detailed level the more difficult it is to be inauthentic so if you get if you get enough detail and granularity out of somebody, it's almost impossible for them to stay inauthentic. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically the same skill, isn't it? Like with sales, you what you mentioned at the beginning, and I fully agree with this. One of the most important things in discovery calls, for instance, is to get to the implications. Many sales ask a little bit about the situation, how they do things now, maybe what is the challenge with their situation, and then they stop and they, they don't ask about, okay, if you had that perfect solution that you're imagining, or if you could solve that problem that you talked about, what would that mean to your organization? Um, and then they, they start to, you know, say things like, yeah, I would say, if, I, I just had a call today and they said, yeah, we have, we would say 50% of one person's time. So you can actually then, you know, go better into a negotiation and stuff like that. So it's incredibly important to us to go really, really deep. And as I understand, with the with the hiring or with the hiring questionnaire or whatever, the, the, the conversation you have with the people, you also need to get deep. I, I think I, we try to do that, for instance, with values. When you ask about when you, when you, you have certain values that you want, so you ask people, when you think about that value, how did you live by that? And and then he says something and then you say, okay, tell me a little bit more about the details of, of that thing that you said. And then that is, do I get that right? So that's where you yeah. really realize whether somebody's truthful and is talking, not, yeah. not, not being that person that Manuel explained. Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we talk, we talk a lot about values and company culture, right? How do we match that? You know, yeah. some personal values, company values, culture, how do you match that? Well, it's really difficult on a very high level. It's almost impossible, I would say, because if I'm going into an interview and I care, uh, one of the things that I do is I check out the, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the website and I check out what they say in terms of their, um, you know, uh, values and culture. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a look what's, you know, what they say. And then I try to map that and I can easily map that on a very high level. Right. But if I, if I get asked, okay, what does that mean to you? What does this, what's curiosity mean to you? You know, how do you, how, how have you experienced it in the past? How, how do you stay curious? How do you, how do you do that? How do you do this? Then it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, to, to, yeah, to just make things up. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and what's, so far, I mean, I spent the last 18 months and probably like another 18 before I had my job at OneDot trying to figure out how to basically facilitate sales recruiting and like how do you attract great talents, uh, sales talent in a predictable way and reduce this failure rate and also reduce the noise of everybody as, as VP sales and sometimes you ask, well, what do you think a conversion rate should be? And they ask like, what's a conversion rate? And it's like it's frustrating in Switzerland, quite frankly. Like, what do you think it takes for somebody to fix sales recruiting in Switzerland? What do you think it takes to fix sales recruiting in Switzerland and make the process more seamless and predictable and less frustrating for companies, especially startups? Yeah, that's a very, very difficult question. Because um, I don't think there's much predictability <laughs> in that. Um, I mean, you can standardize some things, you know, you can have a process that shows you people's behavior, uh, or at least shows it better. Um, you can have a process that shows you people's attitude better than just, you know, blank questioning. Um, that's certainly something you can do. There's a lot of best practices out there. Actually, there's a great uh, uh, blog post from Janetta on Medium, I think, about mm -hmm. the hiring process. Um, and it's it's one of the first things that I saw when I when I googled uh, the company, and um, it's quite impressive. Um, so that's certainly something you can do. Check out some best practices there. Um, but I would say one step before that is knowing what you're looking for, because sometimes it's all really about you know misaligned expectations. You know we. Either we have clear expectations of something that's incredibly difficult or impossible, or we have no expectations at all, which means we get anything. <laughs> and anything we get is wrong. Because <laughs> you know, if we don't know what we want, it's very difficult to get it. <laughs> because <laughs> if we're not aiming at something, it's very challenging. So I would say one of the key things is really defining what are we looking for and why are we looking for that? Let's take sales. Okay, uh, let's say I'm, I'm the founder of a company. I have you know 15 people. Things are going well, but now I want to have I want to hire um, a head of sales, right? Um, you know to take things to the next level. Okay, great. But now the question really is, what am I really not not now? We're not we don't have to start with talking about what am I looking for in terms of a person, and we need to talk about what what am I looking to do? You know what, what's the actual um, mission of this role. So before I would ever write a job spec or anything, or even a title, I would first ask myself, okay, if I, 
let's just say, okay, head of sales, maybe the title is more or less clear, but then it's about um, what's the mission of this role? What's the actual mission of the role? Not what are the responsibilities and, 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 and you know, the experiences the person, no, what is the actual mission? What is the actual goal of the role? And the goal, for example, may be to, you know, double sales in the next two years or to open seven new markets in emerging economies or whatever. There's a mission that the role has. And then from the mission, you can start breaking it down into, okay, based on that mission, what, what do I think then this person needs to take on? Or you can also just leave it at that and say, that's the mission. And that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for a profile. You're not looking for an experience because also experience is something very dangerous because we're thinking that the past equals the future, which we know from stock markets are not very true. So why would we do that in hiring? Um, so you can actually, you can literally go out with that mission and say, we're looking for a head of sales. The mission of this role is to double sales within the next um, two years. And you know, here are some of the key things that we're looking to do within that mission. And that's pretty much it. And then you go out and you, you also get different kinds of people. That's also in my experience, the more granular and detailed you write what you're looking for in terms of the you know, experiences and this, the more people you get who are looking for structure, stability, everything set for them. They don't need to think too much. They don't need to take too much initiative. But if you say, you know, the mission of this role is to double sales within the next two years and, you know, open the US and do this and do that and do this. And then you have a conversation with people based on that. You know, people are not initiate uh, taking initiative. They wouldn't even talk about this. They wouldn't even, I mean, apply. They wouldn't even talk to you about this because what's there to talk about? You know, there's no description, right? So you need to have an actual conversation. They need to show that, they, that they're able to ask questions and inquire and, you know, and, 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 and try to understand what you're actually trying to do with the company. So if you do it like that, you co-create the role with somebody, which allows you to get more buy-in from the person who's coming in because now they, they own that role. It's not like a hole that they need to fill, you know, with, with, with being coming in, but you actually, you, 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 you allow them to own that role. So stuff like that, I think is, 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 is a great way of doing it. But once again, there's no, I would say there's no you know, cookie cutter recipe for that. So it seems you're also very open to the, I, I, or at least I hear a lot out there that when you're a sales, uh, when you're a founder, um, don't hire, for instance, a head of sales first, hire an account manager and get the VP sales later on, not, don't be it your first hire. So in your in your approach, it would more be like you go from a position where you where you define the mission, and the mission could then definitely be, hey, I, I look for someone who needs to be able to internationalize our product quickly, or or our market, or we want to go into other markets. So do I understand that correctly? So you would say, build your mission, and then maybe it's someone who like a head of sales more than an account manager first? Well, it, it depends. I would say um, make it dependable on whatever the company's goals are over the next one or two or three or four or five years, right? I mean, so you have, you know what, where you want to go with the company in the next, let's say, three to five years. And based on that, you should know who you're looking for. 
um, because that's that's that should define who you're looking for, because it shouldn't just be a hunch that you say, oh, I think I need to hire a head of sales or you know an account manager. It shouldn't be a hunch. You know, it should be pretty strategic. I would assume it's, it's so, a very expensive hunch then. Yeah, it's a very expensive hunch, or it could be. Um, so I would say, you know, break it down based on the company's goals. It's always the organization that comes first because, you know, you're hiring people to develop the organization. No matter if that's in sales or in product development or whatever it is, you, you don't hire people just because you think there should be a new hire, right? Um, so I would say, look at the company's goals over the next three to five years. And whatever is missing is what you need. You know, if you're if you're if you're the CTO uh, because you're an engineer, maybe, or because you come from a technical background, and for example, you know, you want to internationalize the company, um, and you have very little experience in in in, in sales or in, in in commercial settings, then yeah, you should probably hire somebody who's probably senior because I don't think an account manager is going to get you to the U.S. Um, but if you have a product that's selling by themselves as incredibly popular and it's really about strengthening the relationships with the customers or with the clients um, because you want to re-engage people or you want to you want to upgrade you whatever it's probably going to be a different um uh, you know role that you're looking for mm. yeah and i found two statements you just made very interesting one is that experience can be really dangerous because it's widely regarded as just a thing that needs to be there for people to be successful in a role and a second one to like look at what should happen in the next three to five years. Like Patrick and I both work in startups and a lot with startups. Three to five years is this kind of like, let's see what happens in the next universe time frame, except if you do invest the bullshit PowerPoint pitch decks business plans, which is everybody knows it's not happening this way. If basically somebody, and I'm also curious on your note, going from basically being employed to found your own company to now going to an established company again um your perspective on actually people that have experience joining a startup which that that much insecurity what happens over the next six to 18 months if the company is even still around and how you yeah. handle that ambiguity and kind of well let's say on security for people joining a startup um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It depends on the type of company, but you know, for a more established company, maybe three to five years for startup, maybe six to 12 months, which is fine. You know, whatever horizon is, is the horizon, right? That's okay. could be three months, you know, probably a little short, but uh, you know, whatever the horizon is. And then I think, but that's just my personal opinion, but I don't think managing insecurities or, 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 you know, Managing these things is a good idea. I think you want to hire native people. What I mean by that is you want to you don't want to hire people you have to train to be comfortable in your environment. Because basically you 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 know that's a lot of work, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and you don't know and you don't know if it's gonna be very successful. Um so that's I'm a big fan of hi hiring native people in the sense of hiring people who are native to your environment. Um ideally. It's not always possible, but ideally, people who are not only able to cope with the environment of uncertainty, craziness, and chaos, but thrive in those environments. People need that. People want that. Um, you know, because if your if your if your environment is constant change, and you hire people who likes who have who need stability, very difficult. 
very, very difficult. Um, but if you have if you have constant change and the people that you hire, you know, they 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 totally get energized by constant change. Great. Awesome. Mm. I have afterwards like two more questions, but Patrick, over to you. Yeah, I have something that I'm actually very interested because you state, uh, Daniel, on, on, on the website of your company, you state that uh, the world would be a much more human place, place if more people live in alignment with their vision, values, and purpose. So what do you think, what would you tell me as an individual, what could I do to make sure that I live according to my vision, values, and purpose, especially, I, I feel like in my process, it took some time to learn about values and purpose and then and then discover that a little bit how could you do that faster kind of to, to discover these things it is so funny it is so funny to me um so i would assume that the three of us here are below 50 years old right <laughs> combined but individually yeah 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 so so what, what's really interesting to me is at our age we are thinking about this kind of stuff. So we're, we're living in an era, in an age, where we are thinking about this stuff and we have an urge to figure this all out before we're 30, right? Before we're 35. When actually most people never figure it out <laughs> or they come to this conclusion that it's important when they're 50. Mm -hmm. So that means, I, th I think it's 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 a, it's also a matter of perspective. I'll go into it a little bit deeper in a second, but just want to put some perspective on this because I don't think it's about having all this figured out when we're before we're thirty or before we're twenty-five or whatever. Um, because the actual fulfillment is in the process and not mm -hmm. figuring it out, and that's very difficult to understand. But I truly believe it's 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 the process that is that is that is fun and not the end result. Because I don't think there's any end result in values and purpose and stuff like that. Because, you know, we don't, how are we going to, how we, how do we measure <laughs> knowing our purpose, you know, and stuff like that. I don't think that's, that's, that's a good idea. Um, so, so that's just in terms of perspective. Um, and, and then in terms of how do you go about it? I think one thing is really just curiosity, you know, just the curiosity of, of constantly figuring yourself out more, understanding who you are and how you operate and, and, and all this stuff. I think it's just a natural curiosity that we human beings have when we're kids. Uh, then we go to school and then this curiosity and creativity gets a little bit more tricky uh, because we're suddenly, um, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're asked not to be creative and not to ask questions. And um, that's a whole different topic. Um, but in general, to me, just why I write that, to me, it's incredibly important to be in alignment with who I am um, and to act in alignment with who I am. Um, because if, I, if I'm not true to myself in the work that I do and what I say, I'm just not happy and I get you know, frustrated very quickly. So to me, this com this topic of alignment is incredibly important and it's that, you know, it stands out in, in, in a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, so, and I believe a lot of people are very similar to me, maybe not as, um, not as, not as, um, uh, not as uh, extreme as I am, because I, I always strive for the perfect alignment, which of course never happens, but I always strive for that. 
Um, but I think most people are really happy, engaged with life, fulfilled, whatever you want to call it, when they're truly themselves, when they truly show up as themselves. Um, and being yourself is different from somebody else being themselves. That's also very important. There's no, there's not like a, a streamlined um, way of being yourself for, for a lot of people. It's very individual. It's completely unique to every single person. Yeah, and I, I found it so interesting when we talked a, bit, a while ago, actually, that uh, I was like, how, how is Leader Switch going? And I said, like, well, actually, I'll, I'll stop. I join a company. I was like, what? <laughs> you did this for seven and a half years really successfully. And like, uh, it's a lot about identity of being a founder or being a client partner in your case now, being a recruiter, being a sales guy. And like, what actually made you pull the trigger after like more close to eight years, I think, since early 2013? To mm -hmm. not identify with founder like in 2021, but identify as a client partner, identify yeah. as employed again. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's an interesting question because I don't really identify with that at all. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because to me, like the setup is always very secondary, has always been very secondary. I couldn't care less about what my employment contract says if my own company stands on on the on the on the title or on the on the on the address or if it's somebody else's company. I don't I don't care much about that. What I care about is once again being myself. Um, and you know, it's not like I don't have my company anymore. I still have my company. You know, some of some of the stuff still continues, but. There's a couple of things, um, and one one thing is basically, um, you know, for about seven years now, I've been a very individual contributor in a sense that, you know, I worked with some teams, some project teams here and there, but, um, and I traveled the world and did all the crazy stuff, and it was great. Um, but what I missed since quite a while now is just this team, a true team around yourself. And I've never been a great manager. Um, and, you know, some people are very, um, you know, driven when they have had employees or they manage teams. They want, they need to continue to do that, to feel this, um, you know, sense of, you know, that they have some power or whatever. I couldn't care less, you know, about being a manager. I mean, actually, I would rather not manage people <laughs> than manage people. Because to me, it's just like, I would rather just be out there and hang out with clients and and you know and and you know bring in great business and 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 you know change the business of of of, of these companies than to have to manage you know teams and approve vacation and you know <laughs> and, and figure out when is who on vacation and oh my god you know all that stuff that's not <laughs> who I am I'm just you know I'm a, a, just naturally. Uh, yeah, extroverted guy who just wants to be out there and, and, and be around clients. And, and, and I can 100% identify with that. And like yeah. today morning, actually, my first full time hire for Sales Playbook started like after 17 months. And he was like, Hey, man, when do you want to me, me to be in the office and what should be my schedule? And I was like, I don't care. Like, really? <laughs> I don't care. Like, you need to generate like this much revenue and this much sales qualified leads in the first three months. And then will adjust like your metrics to where you feel comfortable, where your strengths lie. But yeah, that's so interesting. 
Yeah, that's I, I yeah. just thought yourself, uh, Manuel, because you say that as well. Um, yeah. I, I don't necessarily need, or I, um, and I, I really like that about that you find that out about yourself, and you 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 are truthful to that, and that's what what you say, Daniel. You're you be who you are and accept this, and don't you know it's fine, it's okay, and it's it's yeah, 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 and you know, and th there's an interesting book. I can't remember what it is, but it's about um, the different motivations of founders. And it sort of like maps out two different motivations. And mm -hmm. one is sort of like, what do you care most about? Is it like owning that baby or is it about the actual impact that you create? Mm -hmm. And I find that an interesting, um, you know, conversation because, you know, to me, um, what's more, to me, what's more important than owning whatever, you know, amount of equity in a company, uh, to me, it's much more important that I don't have to, you know, worry about being involved in all the administrative stuff um, and I can just all day long do what I do best and be who I am um, you know in terms of the actual activities um, I find that much more fulfilling than the actual you know yeah knowing that okay this is you know my thing and my name stat is written on everything yeah, maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm also getting really old. I don't know. Maybe it's that. <laughs> you know, like, we all below fifty-five years old and probably forty, <laughs> but um, we're also like a bit being conscious of time. Like from my side, like thanks so much for for sharing all these insights and also sometimes controversial insights. That it's not all that easy. There's no quick fix. Like experience might be overrated in some. It can even be dangerous. Uh, from my side, thanks so much, uh, Patrick. Any last questions from your side? Or Daniel. No questions anymore, but uh, also thank you from my side, Daniel. I think you opened my eyes actually with the with the purpose and value, and uh, that you you're not probably not reaching the. I found it, and it's also there. It's the the way to the goal, or the you know that that is actually the actual purpose. Because I realized that's for me that's in most of the things. Um, also in sales, uh, the contract, the signed contract. I don't. For me, that's. I'm already at the next also because um, I, I realized already, oh yeah, we can solve a pain there. Like now let's make it happen. But you know, you know much earlier that yeah, they want to do it and they're really excited that we can solve their pain. So it's really even like it's it's the whole first first three meetings that are the most exciting where you find things out and, and stuff. So but I didn't think in, in that way. I, I always was. I always thought, yeah, I, I have to find my purpose and my values, and they they have to be fixed. And you know, and, but I kind of you kind of uh, opened my eyes here. That's also the the way to to the goal. That is the purpose. And yeah, yeah one, thank you very much. Very interesting. Just one more comment on that. Um, what I find really interesting is the difference between uh, goals and standards. Um, and I recently thought a lot more about that because goals are something you reach for and standards is what you stand on, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if, if the purpose is something that you reach for, that's fine, but also understand you're never going to get there. You yeah. can also make purpose a standard for yourself and say, this is my purpose and I stand on it and then it's okay. It's very conceptual when I say it, but uh, I hope it makes sense. It's basically saying, you know, my my standards are are this you know and 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 you know this is basically what i stand for this is this is who i am and leave it at that and the goal is to not not to figure out your purpose but it's just to constantly grow and develop yeah, yeah. love it
Great. Thank you, guys. It was a great conversation. Thank you. And all the best. And talk to you soon, hopefully. Thanks, guys.